my gosh, Rob, thank you so much for coming over here as fast as you did. I really need your help. Yeah. Did, did you move again? I mean, what? Uh, I really love this beachfront property, but I thought you lived somewhere else the last time I came here. Yeah. You know, I just, I got sick of where I was before and I like being by the ocean and it's just, you know, so much more peaceful here and everything. But I'll talk about that later. What's more important is I really, really need your help with something. What's going on? So, okay, this, I don't know. I, this guy came over and we were talking and everything. And then before I know it, like he's stolen like something of mine and I go to stop him because he's jumping out the window and I had a hold of his like pant legs and like he just took off. I pulled the pants off and then he just still continued on. And I know he had something of mine and I, I, I got to get it back. Uh, what has he got of yours? Well, so, okay, I, I'm looking up at my shelf and I've got like, you know, there's my share wig and then there's my Tracy Lors wig, but like between should be my Sarah Michelle Geller wig and I got to get it back. Oh, and Hey, um, I've been meaning to ask you this since I arrived here, but the last time I saw you, you looked fairly young. Um, and now you look like you've aged about two decades. What's going on here? Yeah, so I noticed that too, and I did some Googling, and I think the guy might be a warlock. And that's why I really want to get this back, because according to lore, if this dude is a warlock, I'm going to continue to age until I die, like, really fast, unless I can get that wig back. Oh, okay, we better get on this post-haste then. Okay, so according to the, you know, the internet search, with these nails and this hammer... If we can find his footprints and nail him down, that's going to hold him in place, like in the spot where he is. And I can grab that wig back and like reverse the spell. But I got to get that wig back, Rob. Okay, but what are the pennies for? Okay, so I got to keep them in my mouth. Something again with like the whole lore thing. So I'm going to have to keep in my mouth. I'll take them out when I got to talk to you. But they taste pretty horrible. It's it's pretty gross. Yeah, I've swallowed a couple of pennies. So I know. Yeah. I swallowed worse. But are you ready to help? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's do this, man. I mean, okay. come all on. Right. We, we've got a show to do. We can't just be having you become an old man all of a sudden. I know. I know. I know. So he jumped out my back window here. So if we go around back, we should start seeing footprints. Okay. All right. Okay. And so thank you for helping. Oh, wait, there's one. Uh, so what? I just put this nail into the footprint. Um, sorry. Sorry. Let me take this out. You just jam it down, like hammer it in with the nail. The hammer just hammered in and it should hold in place. Okay, so let's uh, see what we got here. Ugh. Okay, I heard, did you hear a scream? Uh, it was very distant, but yeah, I did. Okay, this has got to be working. Okay, okay. let me, let's look. There's another one, there's another ooh, one. Okay, ooh, hammer, ooh, hammer, I, hammer. I, this is getting fun. Ah, oh, there we go. I heard the scream, I heard the scream. Okay. Let's keep looking. How come, uh, why don't I have pennies in my mouth? Because he's not after you. It's just me. So oh, you're good. You're okay. Good. Okay. You're good to go. So I'm okay, safe then. I'm safe. All right. Yes, you're totally safe. Okay, here we go. Mm. Um, there is a scrotum in your hand. There is a in your hand. Uh, that's a scrotum mark in the sand. Look, oh. that's too clearly a scrotum mark. I Tell me, I, I trust me. I'm telling you, that's a scrotum mark in the sand. Nail that side. Okay, nail, I don't see it, any footprints, it. so here we go. Nail it. Oh, ha, we got him. I that is scream. clearly a man who got hit in the nuts. 
Uh huh. We got our warlock. There he is, and there's my wig sucker. Thank you so much, Rob. Now we can do the show. All right. So let's get this show on the road. Rock on. In a time of fear and suspicion, you choose to admit your crimes before man and God. His coming was foretold. Now, he is here. You know the signs. You are bewitched. He has the face of an angel. Channel me a spirit. The charm of the devil. Hear me when I say he's evil. Evil absolute. And the powers of a god. <laughs> Satan also has one son. For you, the first to have laid eyes upon the new Messiah. Now, an enemy from his past. Who appointed you executioner? And a girl from the prison. You know what he's capable of. Next time, he's going to kill me. I'll not let him harm you are the only hope for the future. This is the terrifying adventure that could set the world on fire. Warlock. All right, all you Midnight Mass Creature cast fans out there, judging from that trailer that you just heard, we are clearly working with Warlock from 1989. I am Mark, and I am always joined by the ever-awesome... I am Bobby, and what do you think of my fur jacket? I killed and stitched it together myself. Um, I, now, I'm trying to be kind. Okay. Roadkill. Roadkill Rob is what I'm thinking. Roadkill Rob. Well, I did. <laughs> I mean, I didn't kill any of the animals. I kind of actually scooped them up off the highway. And See, I yeah, I know how you are. So I, I knew you would not kill anything. So yeah. I knew that it was, it, yeah, it was, I, you don't want PETA after you throwing like red paint on you. No, especially not this coat that I stitched together. I mean, I, right. it could be my Technicolor dream coat, you know? It's a little disturbing that that one leg on your shoulder is still twitching though. That. I don't think I can look at you very long like that. Uh, maybe I should hang it up on the wall for now. Maybe you should. Uh, now, I find it odd that you went that choice because in my mind, you would have totally been Warlock Rob. Really? You think? I don't have hair, though. So I couldn't oh, pull I, off anything that these guys do. <laughs> I would just like scotch tape, like yarn <laughs> to the back of my head just to be a Warlock. I would not matter to me. Julian like, Sands has some really amazing hair, by the way. He does. He does have some amazing hair. But like uh, just the the thought of being a warlock, even to little fat Mark, was just so appealing. I I would have been all over that. Yeah, that's true. I just uh, I didn't really fancy the idea of boiling an unbaptized child's fat and drinking it to have the ability to fly. So, yeah. There was that whole thing. See, to me, I would have made it more like a smoothie. <laughs> I would like taking the fat, but then like throw some berries in there and some honey. And I would have, you know, if 
to me, if it would make me fly, I would find a way around that. You know what I mean? I would just a milkshake mm. it or something. Yeah. Oh, but, you know, speaking of, I do like your very silk, uh, frilly kind of uh, shirt. It looks like you're straight out of the 1600s. Actually, I just got back from a black mass. So it's really just happens to be that I had that on. It. Oh, this is what I normally cool. wear. Very yeah. cool. <laughs> so you came up to Salem and you didn't even tell me. I did. Yeah, I just, well, you know, that's how I, that's how I roll. My goodness. And so, now, you know, speaking of Julian Sands, this week we are covering arachnophobia. So, you know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's all good. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Got to me covered in like a bazillion spiders <laughs> crawling all over me. All you can see is my eyes because I have so many spiders all over my body. It's got eyes. <laughs> um, so now this one was your pick. And when did you first see this one? Um, okay, so it came out in 89. I believe I saw it in 90 over at a friend's house uh, because he was really into like witchcraft at that time. And I remember going to the library with him and he had stolen a copy of the Satanic Bible <laughs> from the library. <laughs> because that's the way you got to do it. You yeah. do not actually check out the Satanic Bible. You don't do that. You steal it. Yeah, you, you've got to take it. And exactly. I just remember like thinking that, you know, that was the devil's Bible and like we were going to be damned to hell for all eternity because I was uh, I was superstitious at that time. But anyway, we're getting back to the movie. Um, yeah, we watched it at his house. And I remember just like thinking it was really cool, like, wow, I'd like to have those powers and, you know. Uh, shoot lava out of my hands. And I, I thought that was pretty badass. Now, give me an age. Do you know, like, are we talking like in the 90, like 90, would you have been like a teenager or younger? Um, hmm, okay. I don't so, need exact age. I'm just trying to like get a feel. Yeah, I'm trying to think too. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I'm old. <laughs> no, no, stop that. Okay. Let's see. And then uh, now, 10, I might've been 14. Okay. So teenager. Okay. And now are you talking the satanic Bible by Anton LaVey? Yeah. I, I think that's the only one, isn't it? Okay. So just really quick. Have you ever seen the, the movie Satanus? No, I have not. Okay. You really need to check that one out. It's the one it was basically made by Anton LaVey. You really need to see Satanus. I highly recommend that to anyone even remotely interested in Anton LaVey. Okay. Wow. You will see him in a very different light, but yeah. Anyway. Okay. So me, um, I saw this not when it came out, probably in the early, no, probably in the mid two thousands. Wow. So I was kind of, I was kind of late coming to this one. Yeah. Late to the party. Late to the party. Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So let's, uh, jump into the director. Are you okay with that? Yes. Okay, so the director is Steve Miner. I didn't really think much about the director until I started, like, you know, doing my little investigation and everything. This man has made so many movies that I love, like, immensely. So he did Friday the 13th 2 and 3 from 81 and 82. He did House from 85. And then he did Halloween H2O, which is now Halloween H2O 20 years later. I don't know when that was changed, but that was in 98. 
And he did Lake Placid from 99. Like, I love so many of those movies so, so much. Haven't we so, come back to Lake Placid many times in, many times. in, I think in that's our episodes? Something. Yeah, I think Betty White is channeling us from the uh, the netherworld. The when great to cover beyond. Her movie. Yeah, I love her. And I would love to do Lake Placid because that we could do that because it's 99. Um, but that's Steve Miner. Okay. Um, yeah, now, and the writer for this is David Toohey, which um, I remember from a lot of movies, most notably Pitch Black, which is one of my favorite Vin Diesel films. Oh, I do love Pitch Black. I do. Not to give anything away, not at all, but like the one, the twist in it, I did not see coming. Like it shocked me in the theater. Oh, yeah, the, it I did to it. me as well. Yeah, no spoilers, but yeah, that shocked me. And like that shower scene, I mean... Oh, where we got full I, Vin crack. I yeah. questioned my straightness there. <laughs> Vin can do that to people. Vin's got to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I do love, I do love uh, pitch black quite a bit. Yeah. It's a great movie. I wish we could mm -hmm. cover it, but it came out in 2000. So we can't, well, we can, but it just has to be a bonus episode, I guess. We're, we're sticklers for the rules here. On, yeah. On the night mass. Yeah. Um, now, did you want to talk any more about the writer? Um, no, I just wanted to bring that up, actually. Okay, all right. So I'm going to knock out our three main uh, thespians in the film really quick, if you're cool with that. Absolutely. All right, so we have our warlock, and that's really just, he's just warlock. Uh, that's Julian Sands. Um, I first, the first movie I can remember by him that I saw was The Doctor and the Devils from 85. And then he was in the movie Gothic from 86, where he played Percy Shelley. Um, and jump in if you like want to say anything about these films at all, you feel free. Um, he was also in Vibes from 1988 with Cindy Lauper and Jeff Goldblum. Ooh, I, I remember that one. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Yeah. Yeah. It was a, it was a goofy one. Um, and then you've already mentioned arachnophobia with um, uh, John Goodman uh, from 90. And then he was also in uh, David Cronenberg's Naked Lunch from 91. Now, I love like the story, The Turn of the Screw, and there's been so many iterations of that one. And he was in the one from 92. Uh, then he also worked with Dario Argento in The Phantom of the Opera. And he reprised his warlock role in Warlock, the, warlock, the Armageddon from 93. Oh, now, yeah. There's also... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just was going to say that's the one where he gave birth to himself, right? Yeah. And then, and there was also Warlock 3, The End of Innocence from 99, but the warlock there was Bruce Payne. So Julian didn't come back for that one. Such a shame. Such a shame. Uh, now we have uh, our female protagonist is Cassandra with a K, and that's Lori Singer. Um, I know her mainly. She was a character, Julie Miller from the fame TV show. She did 38 episodes of that, which ran from 82 to 83. And she was in she, that. Oh yes. Yes. I Not used to movie. watch. I used to watch that. The TV show. Yeah. I, yes. was there a movie? Because all I do remember like, you know, fame, I'm going to live forever. Oh yeah. There was a movie first. Okay. I don't think I've seen the movie, but I do remember the TV show. Okay, the TV show is okay. The movie's amazing. So, like, if you like the TV show, okay, I would really recommend you finding the movie. Okay. Like, the movie is amazing. I love the movie fame. Yeah. So, okay, so just real quick, that song that you were singing was sung by Irene Cara. And 
I don't know if you remember the TV show really well, but there's a character called Coco and she played Coco in the film. Irene Cara did, but not on the TV show. Mm, no, I can barely recall like any cast members from that show. Okay. All right. And then the only other film that I know by uh, Lori Singer is she had a role in Equinox from 92. And that one had Matthew Modine and uh, Fred Ward and Laura Flynn Boyle in it. And those are the only really things that I know of me personally that I seen Lori Singer in. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I don't remember seeing her in too many movies. No, I don't think as far as movies that I, I am familiar with, she hadn't done many. I don't think she has a huge uh, acting career. I don't believe when I looked her up now. Our witch hunter is Redfern, um, and that's Richard E. Grant. This person, he has been a very busy thespian. Um, the first movie I knew him from was Henry and June, which also starred Fred Ward, and that was in 1990. Then he was in uh, Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula from 92. Oh, really? Yes, he was Dr. Jack Seward. Well, he must have changed his appearance. Well, I don't know. Maybe I have face blindness and I just don't remember people. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yes. And then he was in um, a Robert Altman film, Ready to Wear or Pret-a-Porter from 94, which has one of my favorite Cranberry songs in it. Um, but anyway, um, now I wish I could drop a drum roll here because this solidifies his coolness to me. He was in Spice World from 1997. Is that the cartoon type? Um, no, wait, that was Cool World. Sorry. Spice World must be something different, right? Spice World is the greatest movie ever made about the Spice Girls. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I drug my son to see that. He was the, he's the best heterosexual son in the world to sit through that with his gay father. <laughs> More than once. Yeah. Um, now, he also did a voice in Corpse Bride, uh, the Tim Burton movie from 2005. Um, oh, he was in Logan. Uh, the Wolverine film? The Wolverine film. He was Dr. Rice. Uh, okay. And then he was in The Hitman's Bodyguard. Which it's not a horror movie, but it has Ryan Reynolds in it. <laughs> right. Ryan Reynolds that. and Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And uh, Salma Hayek. Oh, yeah. Salma Hayek. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. So anyway, so those are our three main thespians. I just want to get them out of the way. Oh, so, I just yeah. wanted to uh, put this in there real quick. Originally, in the like in the original script, the director was going to have uh, Julian Sands playing Redfern and Richard Grant playing the Warlock but he minor opted to cast each of the actors against type by reversing their roles. So we might have in like an alternate universe, there is a Julian Sands playing Redfern. Okay. So that's so interesting that you said that to me. I did not know that, but every time I see this, I think to me, Richard would make a better warlock than Julian. Right. That's yeah. So weird. I think I, so to too. Me, like looks wise, you know, nothing against the extras, but like to me, when I think of a warlock, I think of the dark hair. I think it's what it is. And not only that, but like the, the coat of like furs and everything and looking all dirty and greasy and every, you know, all that. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just so weird. There's something about that. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, huh. Interesting. Okay. Hmm. Hmm. That's uh, something for me to think about and try to keep my mind on what I have at hand to do. Okay. Ah, uh, anyway. Okay. So we open up the movie and we have a cat in a basket, which <laughs> will come into play later. Very snowy. It's olden times, the 17th century. Um, we have these four gentlemen like dressed in black. Uh, did you ever fi- uh, see the movie with Vincent Price called Witchfinder General? No, I don't believe I have. Okay. So immediately that's what this whole setup reminded me of Witchfinder General. You have these people, you know, in the 17th century, they're all look very dour, you know, it just looks like to me, it looks like the plague should be sweeping through the town at any moment. <laughs> yes. That kind of thing. Yeah. So the, the four men are walking through town. Everyone looks very apprehensive at them and everything. Um, and they eventually make their way to this building. It's got that like symbol on the door, that, that uh, star shaped symbol on the door. Mm-hmm. And they climb their way into like almost like a cell. And then through the cell, there's like another room with, for all intents and purposes, our warlock is being held prisoner, captive up there. Yeah, in uh, finger cups. Finger and, yeah, and toe cups. Yeah, which is really weird. It's like, I wonder if those are historically accurate and why would you cuff fingers and toes together? Uh, I'm just, I, like, does it cause more pain? Like, is there a purpose for that? Well, I'm wondering if, well, number one, I don't like you kink shaming me. Number two, um, I'm wondering if it was uncomfortable and probably to keep you from escaping as easily, I guess. Hmm. I'm guessing. Maybe, yeah. It's, uh, I, don't, I just thought it served some kind of uh, anti-magical purpose, maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. Oh, no, um, I didn't think of that. You know what? I didn't even go that route. Yeah, because it's like. You know, you you bind the hands and feet, sure, but it's like they're just binding the two big toes and the thumbs. And so yeah. it's like, hmm, maybe there's like some kind of magic, anti-magic type thing going on there. Or did he maybe beat like one of the like big wigs in town at like a game of thumb war? <laughs> <laughs> and it, did they also do it with the toes too? Maybe, maybe he was just that good. Interesting. Um, Yes. So, and I forgot to mention, this is Boston, Massachusetts and Boston, Massachusetts in 1691. Boston. Boston. Yeah. Well, he's accused of trafficking with the devil. And what they're going to do is they're going to hang him and burn him over a basket of cats. Which, (laughs) man, when I heard that, it's like, what did the cats do? Come on now. Yeah, I, I've never heard that in my life. I've never heard anyone being burned over a basket of cats. You will be burned alive over a basket of living cats. Like, what's is that going to do for anyone? I, is it the shrieking and the smell of burning fur that like, just really gets you in the end? I, don't, I do not understand that at all. Well, but wait a minute. Okay, now I'm really thinking about this. Cats are often... Which is familiars. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. Right. I think it has to be a black cat, though, f- to be a witch's familiar. Um, I could be wrong. I probably am. But usually, like, black cats were associated with evil. Whereas, like, in uh, Eastern countries, if a black cat crosses your path, that's considered good luck. But over mm-hmm. here in so, the West, yeah. it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. But that looked just like a regular old barn cat. 
You know, it did. It did. And I have my notes. This is where PETA enters and interferes with the whole uh, witch burning process. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, you will not burn these cats. Right. Um, and then so this is also where Redfern enters the picture. And they they give the warlock basically a chance to confess, but he's not about to do that because he's a warlock. Right. He says nothing. Nothing. Well, then in the pursuing moments, we get that whole like terrible storm coming in and the door starts rattling and there's lightning and everything. And then Redfern rushes back up, but it's too late. He sees that the uh, warlock is undoing the shackles and he basically vanishes. Yeah. And he says, no, and kind of follows Mm -hmm. him into that vortex or whatever that is. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And now it's current day and we see the city and it's very windy and you get this like little tornado touchdown. Yeah. Now, did like beforehand, did that remind you of uh, something from the Terminator? You were expecting like blue lightning to come down and just naked people arriving in blue lightning balls. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I'm I'm like, is this we're going to get like nude uh, Julian Sands crouching to hide his genitalia, but he'll stand up later and steal a leather jacket from someone. Yeah, right. Your jacket, give it to me. (laughs) Exactly. And then they keep showing like the clock's showing like 11.25 p.m. Right, and but it was unplugged. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Um, and then so the little tornado kind of moves down everything, and then we see the apartment where actually Cassandra's staying with her clearly gay uh, roommate, who is actually his apartment. He's letting Cassandra stay there. Totally um, gay. Totally gay, exactly. Um, now, just real quick, Chaz is the roommate. The only thing I want to talk about him is he played Loco in Friday 13th Part 3 from 1982. And that's my favorite Friday 13th. And I just wanted to give him his due. That's Kevin O'Brien. Okay. Is he actually gay or is he just playing a gay guy? I don't know. I have no idea on that because now you've seen Friday 13th Part 3, right? Yes. Okay. So Loco... There's that um, kind of like motorcycle punk gang. That yeah, with the, with the uh, the guy who looks like Rick James. and uh, Yes, but his head shaved. Yeah. Yeah. No, so there's the- wait. Yeah, okay, never mind. I'm thinking of something no, else. No, you're thinking of another. You're thinking of the, that's Friday 13th parts. No, the, the guy the guy who got his arms chopped off or one arm chopped off. Okay, but now you're mixing them. His head is shaved. Oh, it is. Yes. Okay. Oh, I put his. Uh, okay, the girl's hair. I put it on him, and I. Yes. Okay. That's Fox. I love Fox. Now, now I'm um, back to reality. All right. Okay. So there's that gentleman you're thinking of. Then there's Fox, and the third member is Loco, and that's Kevin O'Brien. Okay. Yes. Interesting. So we're good? Yep, we're yeah. good. Yeah, we're back but on I, track. That's like my favorite Friday Thirteenth, so I have to mention him. And that you know, Steve Miner directed that one as well, so he has them in both these movies. Was it part four? Sorry, I'm going to throw us off track for a moment. No, but was it part it. four when the guy was inside the porta potty? No, part okay. four is the final chapter. The one you're thinking of, I'm almost a hundred percent sure is part five, a new beginning. Okay, yeah, I. See, with Friday the 13th, they kind of blend together after a while. Yes, because that's because he is the uncle of Reggie the Reckless. And 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yes, because part five also has Violet in it, and I love Violet. She's the one who's dancing to Pseudo Echo, and then Jason kills her, but they had to, like, he was actually supposed to stick his machete, like, in her neither region and cut all the way up. Ah, They wouldn't let him show that. Yeah, but they did it on Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I'll tell you. I remember that. (laughs) All right. Now we are so off. Yeah, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, okay, so Chaz and Cassandra with a K um, wake up to find the warlock passed out bloody on the floor. And they assume that he's drunk, which I'd be like way more worried about this than than they are. Um, Yeah, they, they don't seem to be too shaken up by it. Exactly. But he, the, he still has like the thumb screws on. On one of his fingers. Oh, yeah. He didn't completely get them off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the phone is also dead. They've established that. So then in the, in the next scene, we get um, that establishing shot that Cassandra's diabetic because she's doing her insulin shot on her side. Yeah. And the warlock is awake. And now he's starting to figure out like what year it is and that it's like, like what century it is, basically. And she's still like under the assumption that he's just kind of like out of sorts. Not that he's like, you know, from a whole different. Oh, yeah. Era. It's like maybe he just like took some acid and walked in the walked in Canyon country for a while and came crashing. Exactly. Through window. And then now she's like she's, you know, heading to work. And I put what the what the heck is she wearing? She's got that like <laughs> silver jacket. It's just like. <laughs> like anything that didn't match they put on this poor girl well in the first shot it's like we get the you know the 1980s spandex with the half cut shirt and mm-hmm. and the really short cropped hair uh, like i guess you'd call it a bob maybe i get i guess i don't know she it was just like the hairstyle and the outfit just it, it did not work for her Okay, now I'm sounding gay. <laughs> uh, well, no, what I'm thinking is, so, uh, Zarabeth? Yes, Zarabeth, there we are. She's like a bad imitation of Zarabeth. <laughs> like, Zarabeth, like, went to a better thrift shop, and she's actually doing, like, like maybe garage sale finds. Yeah. <laughs> But anyway, so um, now we're, she's out of the picture. So it's just Chaz and he's alone and he's making his meal. Well, not alone, but he's alone with the warlock and he's making his meal. uh, And he gets that like jump scare thing where he sees the warlock in the reflection of that pot hanging up. Yeah. And Chaz is being really nice. He's like, you know, he offers him a lift downtown. And for some reason, the warlock is fascinated by that ring with the scorpion inside of it. Yeah, which I I still don't get. I I don't think it's meant to be gotten, but yeah, yeah, it's just like I just want your ring for some reason. Yeah. Um, and then you know, Chaz goes into a spiel about astrology and all that, but he doesn't really believe in it. And then the warlock just chops his finger off because you know he makes <laughs> that that like little comment that it won't come off his finger; it's stuck. So Ch- the warlock just chops it off Chaz's finger. He's like, "Let me help you with that." Exactly, and then. The next thing, like he leans in to give him this like kiss, but then pulls back and he's like ripped his tongue out and spits it into the frying pan. <laughs> they put like the not the kiss he was hoping for. Not the no, not at all. Not the uh, not the uh, sole kiss he wanted from Julian. Right. So we we realized that uh, Cassandra with a K basically works in like a little cafe. 
kind of thing. Uh, because the police come in and they take her to the station and she's being questioned. Um, and this is where we get the uh, police's sensitivity in dealing with a homosexual man. <laughs> right. And I didn't understand that whole thing. Like, And I actually wanted to question you about that because apparently queer and gay meant two different things back then, maybe. Yeah, I think she's saying like he's. <laughs> <laughs> so she said like, queer meant that uh he liked little boys uh, yeah in yes. park bathrooms and he it's like he's not like that he's just gay i'm like yeah hmm, interesting yeah, okay yeah, exactly i think she's saying he didn't fit into all your like stereotypes because uh, like clearly they were leaning to like this was my mind's going all over the place they were like <laughs> uh leading into like you know this was like probably like a trick that he had taken home that went bad and he yeah. probably like just picked up the wrong guy and she's like you know he like gay meaning like he's homosexual queer meaning like he's just like loose morals all over the place just having sex with a bunch of people that like that's not his deal okay so that's what queer meant all right i think that's where she was going with this okay before we go further why do you think she didn't say hey this really weird blonde guy just showed up in our apartment have you looked into that yeah i like you would think, oh, well, okay, when she's being questioned by the police and then she finds out that Chaz is dead, why didn't she say, you know, we called you about the guy who crashed through our window? Right. Yeah. Are you like even like even forget that? Just say, hey, you know what? You might want to look into this, you know, like you just said, this blonde guy that just appeared in our apartment. Right. You know, like he wasn't sleeping with Chaz because Chaz didn't know him. He crashed through our window. Did you investigate that? Like she just like forgets or I don't. <laughs> yeah, you know it completely I mean? slipped their minds. Yeah. Yeah. That part, I really have a hard time wrapping my head around. Like I really can't figure out the reasoning behind that one. See, now all. you're using logic and uh, this yeah. is where logic does not apply. Yeah. But this one, like. This is like a big like waving of hands like hey wait a minute here people like this one just does not make sense but anyway so she uses the excuse of her insulin uh, that she needs her insulin she leaves so now our next scene has um the bookstore uh, the owner of a, like a myth mystic like kind of bookstore having yeah. everyone like leave after she's you know given her a little presentation and everything and she's locking up now she doesn't even have a name she's just called the channeler and that actress is mary warnoff whom I love. So I, I'm just going to go on a rant and I hope you'll forgive me on this one. So she was in silent night, bloody night from 1972. That's one of those Christmas horror films. She was in sugar cookies from 1973. And I think she's a stunningly beautiful person. She's never looked more beautiful than in sugar cookies. So if you're a Mary Warnell fan and you've not seen sugar cookies, find that movie. Um, she was in Oliver Stone's attempted a horror movie called Seizure uh, from 1974 that also has Hervé Villachez from Fantasy Island, The Plane, The Plane. The Plane, um, The Plane. She, thank you. She was in Roger Corman's Death Race 2000 from 75. She was in Rock and Roll High School with the Ramones from 1979. She was in the awesome movie Eating Raul from 1982. She was in Night of the Comet from 1984. In 1986, she was in Nomads. Oh, now, see, we're getting closer to where I remember seeing her from. Mm -hmm. 
She was in Terror Vision and she was also in Chopping Mall. Yep. <laughs> Chopping Mall movie that we covered way earlier on the Creature mm-hmm. Cast. Not with me. <laughs> Not with me. <laughs> Not with me. Yes, that was with James. We covered that with James. Um, and then uh, she was in uh, Rob Zombie's The Devil's Rejects from 2005. And then she was also in one of my favorite, favorite, well, um, Ty West directed it. It's one of my favorite Ty West movies, but there's also X and Pearl. But anyway, uh, House of the Devil from 2009. I love that movie so much, but she was in that one as well. So that's Mary Warnock. So you didn't mention uh, Watchers 2. You know what? I had to watch myself because there's even more movies I would have put on there by her. But I really did try to watch myself because it's going to become the Mary Warnock. Yeah, big giant list. Yeah. Yeah, I love her. I love her so much. So, so much. I really do. She's an amazing person. I love her work. I just, I, and I cannot tell you how awesome I think Mary Warnoff is. She's amazing. And now I know why she looks so familiar because I've seen her in a lot of different movies. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Yeah. She's, yeah, she's done a lot of stuff and she'll be like, in some movies, she'll have a big part and some movies she'll have a teeny tiny part, but she's like just in a lot of things, a lot of things. Yeah. Um, And she's awesome. All right. So anyway, she's locking up and then she did not notice that the warlock stayed behind. And now he comes up to her because he believes that she's a true channeler, which, as we see, um, she really isn't. (laughs) Um, So she's kind of trying to pull the wool over him and everything. And it's not really working. Uh, But then he says that he wants to channel his father. Um, Is it Zaniel? Uh, Zamiel, yeah, uh, okay. I think so. So, you know, she's like kind of doing this whole little hokey thing, but then the actual, what would you call him, like demon? Yeah, probably, yeah. Evil spirit. Her. Yeah, and then starts speaking through her, and uh, this crystal that she has sort of like explodes, and the possession is taking place, and then... um it's revealed that he needs to bring together all three parts of the grand grimoire. Um, yeah. Which is basically the satanic Bible more or less. Right. And like that makeup is incredible. Yes. Like, yeah. 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 She the actually looks effects. like, huh? No, go ahead. I was just gonna say the practical effects are really cool in the movie. But go oh, ahead. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you up. No, I just go thought ahead. she really looked like uh, someone who was possessed by like oh, a, yes. a creature. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> And um, now the warlock is like, well, what do I get out of this? He's like, I'm not just going to do this for you. I want something out of this. Um, and so the basically the deal is that the warlock shall be the, the sun and garner all these powers once he fulfills the demon's wish. And then the possessed Mary Warnow says, let my eyes guide you. (laughs) (laughs) And then the warlock actually cuts them out and holds them in his hands. (laughs) Which I thought was horrifying. Yeah. And didn't they look like um, kind of goat eyes after that? Yes. Yeah. Yes, they did. Exactly. They did. I would have loved if you would just pull back and they were just two giant googly eyes. (laughs) Just the the, did the little googly eye thing. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) they bobbled around. Uh, But anyway, okay. So um, it's the evening, and Cassie's returned home, 
And the police have, of course, taped everything off. But she just goes ahead and enters the door. Um, but she, once she's in, she was going to go in the kitchen and she decides not to. But she misses, there's like a, sh- someone's in there. So she misses a shadow underneath the, the, the door frame on the floor. So she's frantically packing all of her things up inside. Um, and then she hears a noise. And of course, we get it's just the cat. And I'm like, thank God you escaped the basket of burning cats. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thankfully. And now I got to ask you, if there was a murder at a house you were living in, would you go back to get your stuff or would you just leave it there and buy all new stuff? Well, especially that stuff because it's crap and she could just wait for another garage sale and get more of that for probably $1.50. Yeah, like she's pulling hair dryers and curlers. Yeah, and right. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. I'm just like, leave it there. Just exactly. go. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, she's she's still packing. Well, then Redfern appears and he starts questioning her about the thumb screws and everything. And, you know, she slaps him, but it doesn't matter. He wrestles her down to the kitchen floor and. Um, uh, the blood woman, are you daft? Did he bleed? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Now, did you have difficulty understanding a lot of his dialogue? At first, yes, but more recently, no. Okay, because I always have trouble understanding his dialect he's using in the film. It's always like, now, what did you say? It's almost as though he tried to integrate a Scottish accent with a kind of a New World accent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's very weird. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so he's needing some of the Warlock's blood and Cassie empties the vacuum cleaner and they dig out this little shard of glass. <laughs> Dusty blood. Exactly. Exactly. Dusty blood. Now, would that be, what would that be? My dancer name or my like, <laughs> that would be my your, new band. Your pro wrestling name. <laughs> my pro wrestling name, Dusty blood. Yeah. But it'd be with an I, I think. Yeah. U-S-T-I. Yeah. Yeah. You'd come out looking like gold dust, but with like multicolored <laughs> wigs and everything. Exactly. <laughs> And everywhere I'd sit, there'd be this like thin layer of glitter. Like, don't let him sit on anything you like. And no one wants to give me a ride home because that glitter will never get out of your opposed. <laughs> um, so anyway, so like once Cass gets him like, you know, uh, like kind of like investigating, she still wants to get out of there. So she kind of like keeps making these attempts to leave, but she keeps getting thwarted and everything. Yeah. Well, that was and, a very cartoonish escape. <laughs> oh, wasn't it? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and then he needs a well. So she gets him to the bathroom and he fills the little jar with water and she's still trying to leave, but it, you know, he doesn't, she doesn't get a chance to, right. and he gets out his awesome witch compass, which I think every house should have a witch compass. That thing is cool. I want one of those. It's amazing. Um, to me, I think that if you watch QVC on like a Thursday night at like 2 AM, you would see witches compasses being sold. Totally. And you, um, Richard E. Grant would be selling them as Redfern. With, oh, Shannon Doherty. With Shannon Doherty. (laughs) Yeah, from Charmed. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But she would get mad halfway through and leave, and they'd have to awkwardly kind of like fill the time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I could see see this. Okay, anyway, so I know what you're getting for Christmas. Anyway, so uh, it takes a while. Um, but the needle eventually kind of starts to work, but it's really taking a long time. And Cass is just thinking this guy's like 
cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. Yeah, basically. he he's just out of his mind. And then in the interim, because she has actually called the police, they, they show up. And Redford goes out to meet them with a whip. <laughs> <laughs> and I put whip versus taser. <laughs> I know, and he gets tased. Uh, and they cart him off, and he's still like spouting more and more stuff about the warlock, which just makes him seem insane. Yeah. So Cass grabs her stuff and she goes to leave, but she spies the wishes compass and it's kind of starting to move. So she grabs her toiletries and then notice, oh wait, she grabs her toiletries and then she goes to go out the front door. But then that's when she sees the warlock silhouette as he's approaching the house. And she shuts the door on him. Right, right. (laughs) Like, when has that ever worked? This guy is magical or something. I don't, for the life of me, understand this character, like Cass. Yeah. I just, her motives, and I just don't understand her. I really just don't understand this person. No, they they do not make any sense whatsoever most of the time. Yeah, this this is a really, you know, for like those poor choices, she's like, Princess of poor choices in my book. <laughs> she um, makes worse decisions than we do. Oh, yeah, clearly she sure does. Um, but she, of course, calls 911, which is busy. And then, um, you know, suddenly he's in. He's got her by the hair and he locks her in the bathroom and um, he's smashing the dining room table. And that, of course, is where some of the pages of the grimoire are kept. Yeah, where he finds the first uh, portion of pages. Mm-hmm. And that kind of plays back earlier because Chaz kind of mentions here and there that he collects like antique furniture and things like that. So that would make sense. It didn't come from Ikea. (laughs) No. (laughs) Did they have Ikea back then? I bet you they did, but not in the States. Oh, okay. Because you know, Ikea is like from, uh, is it from Holland? Oh, I have no clue. Sweden. I think Ikea is from Sweden. So they probably did then, but. Not over here yet. Yeah, you can only get Swedish stuff in Sweden. Exactly. Yeah. Um, anyway, well, oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. Uh, see, so- I can take us off track so quickly. <laughs> it doesn't take much. So she's trying to get out the window, but he's suddenly outside and he kind of grabs her arm, but grabs her bracelet is what he's done. And then he says, bubble, bubble, toil and trouble. <laughs> no, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> he more or less he more or less should have said that because for all intents and purposes I don't know what he really says it's a spell and he takes off. I had something here that was like ridiculously. Hold on, yeah, you can hear my paper crinkling. <laughs> oh, it sounded like he said rectum osculum tormentum. <laughs> it was like some kind of Harry Potter shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably close. It probably was. Um, and now it's a new day. And then outside, like her car looks like, you know, it's been gone through, like the doors open, the hoods open. And inside she's passed out with really long hair and really long nails. And she um, realizes that what his, well, I mean, she looks at me and she realizes that she looks completely different than she did before. So she goes to the jail and she gets um, Redfern released and they're back in her car. And this is kind of where he kind of fills everything in. And he starts to realize that it's like 300 years ago from where they are now. Um, And 
that uh, they head back to the house and Renfern is starting to investigate the smash table. And he realizes that, you know, the warlock is already starting to gather some of the pages from the grimoire and they've got to head on and figure out where the next part is. Yeah. The grimoire. And he also tells uh, Cass, Cassie about Cassandra about her bracelet. That's what she's, that's why she's, she's aging and she's got to reclaim it to counter the spell. Right. Cause he says he must have taken something of yours in order to complete the curse. Mm-hmm. And basically if she doesn't reverse it, she's going to die in about half a week. Oh yeah. Because at first she thinks that, Oh, I only became 40 years old. That's not so bad. And he's like, are you stupid? He's like, it's going to keep continuing. And you know, you're going to, you're going to be dead within half a week. Mm-hmm, exactly. Exactly. And so he, um, he needs salt. So he grabs some salt and she's really not interested in helping him. She's just kind of like, okay, I'll do my part to get what I need, but then she's just going to book it after that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and so they carry on their merry way. Um, and while she's driving, he's like, Spilling the salt and working into the whip with his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> He's making beef jerky. Yeah, it's very odd. Um, and then they just do like little cutesy things with, you know, like she's I think she's looking for a pack of gum or something. So her eyes are not on the road. And that's where he makes the question about, like, should they be driving on a certain side of the road? And she's like, yes. And he's like, well, then you're not. And the truck is like barreling towards them. Oh, yeah. They almost run into a Mack truck. Mm hmm. So here comes like my favorite part of the whole movie. We get the kid with the football. Oh yeah. <laughs> and this little kid's playing football, which is clearly supposed to be a Sunday. Um, the warlock catches it. Uh, and then we see them on the swing with the child, which I thought was incredibly funny to see like Julian Sands as a warlock kind of on this swing set with this kid. I don't know why. I just thought it was humorous. Um, yeah, it does look a bit strange. Like he's uh He's on that seesaw part of the swing. Yeah, it's just very weird. It's just, I don't know why. <laughs> not light, and I don't mean creepy weird like he's a pedophile because that's where everyone's going to go these days. But that's not what I mean. It just looks very silly to me because he's got that ponytail and barefoot. And he's just, <laughs> I don't know. It's just very weird. Yeah, it is very, very silly to see it. No, I it wasn't. Is. I wasn't thinking anything creepy. I'm just like, okay, you've got a grown man playing on a swing. With uh, another child who's like, here, play this video game with me. It's just like, (laughs) yeah, I've got better things to do. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And then that's where he hears like these hymns coming from a church. And the kid mentions that he doesn't go to church because his dad hates it. Um, And then the kid asked if he goes and the warlock's like, no, I don't go. I'm a witch. And the boy's like, boys can't be witches. And he, he explains all that. And then he, uh, you know, he's a warlock and, you know, boys can boys can be witches and all sorts of things. And then it's kind of brought up that he needs a broomstick to fly. And the warlock's like, no, I don't need a broomstick to fly. Um, And then all this is going to come into play in just a little bit, which I think is amazing. Yeah. Now. They're at the gas station because they need to refill. So gas is waiting for the gas to be filled up. And then Renford sits up the compass. And they hear this noise in the hills. And it's like gunshots. And all of a sudden the scene, you know, changes. And it's just like Coyote, just like this corpse, like flops down. And there's all these people around it. And this one woman starts to walk away. 
And then Redfern kind of chases after her. And the exchange is basically they have to shoot the coyotes to keep them from like harming the, the kids in the, the community or whatever. And then. Oh, yeah, because they were describing that um, basically the coyote skinned the little boy alive or something. Mm -hmm. And then he asked her if her son was the one that was hurt. And she's like, yes. And he asked if the boy was baptized and she gives him this weird look and says that, no, he wasn't. And then that's where it's explained that fat was cut from uh, fat cut from unbaptized children is used for a flying portion, potion, potion, potion. Yeah. Which just made me chuckle because you knew where that whole setup was going from earlier. This is where it's taking it. Right. And that's why Julian Sands was like pushing the little kid on the swing and, and giggling. He was yeah, like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And now it's nighttime and you see this can of fat bubbling over a fire. <laughs> Warlock is there and he's got his little pages of the grimoire and uh, stuffed inside his jacket. And he starts drinking the fat, which I just the whole setup. I just it was very um, humorous to me. I found it very, <laughs> yeah. very dark. And I think dark. it would have like it was dark. Just the, you know, just the implication itself of mm -hmm. that. And um, if they had added like the the boy's gruesome death, like they were planning to do, I think it would have just like took that in a whole even darker direction. Like it would have made it rated X kind of gore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was very uh, funny to me. Uh, yeah, I just <laughs> it cracked me up. <laughs> I guess I just dark like that. I don't know what the, I don't. <laughs> You're sick. I am sick. I'm a very sick person, but yes, I just, uh, I love, I love stuff like that. Anyway, here we go. Um, so now, um, we see like the warlock just like flying down the highway super fast. And you see the little radar of the, in the police car, it, like starts go, like going super fast. So we could tell that the, the, uh, warlock's potion de definitely worked. Yeah. Why didn't the cop now. go chasing after him? I think cause it was a person. <laughs> <laughs> I want to go even further where uh, the uh, guy just puts, like it freaked out the cop so much. He just put a gun to his mouth and just took his life because he couldn't handle it. Oh, wow. The movie got suddenly darker. Yeah, it just gets even darker and darker, but it didn't go there. Okay. So um, we're in the car again. We get a lot of like, kind of like banter between, uh, 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 Help me. Redfern and uh, Cassandra kind of like building their relationship. Yeah. Like a buddy cop film. Uh, kind of like that. Exactly. Very much so. And so she's painting her face. And then, you know, of course, he's like coming from somewhere different where like, you know, people would not paint their faces unless they were Satanists. Um, and then <laughs> he kind of reveals like a, a, a female from his past name, Marion. Um, but he really won't talk much about that further. Um, and then he demands that she stop the car and he gets out with his little compass. Um, and uh, this is where she realizes that she's actually aging even more. Oh, yeah. And she's like, just go on without me. Um, mm -hmm. I, mm -hmm. I'll be dead within the next uh, day or so. Yeah, just, I'd be like, shit, we got to find my bracelet. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like way, way upset by this. Way upset by this. Yeah. Um, so our next day we see this kind of like farmhouse 
And there's an attic where the warlock has basically holed himself up and he has more pages. Um, and he's got his little fiery hand. I just put down fiery hand for no reason. He's got a little fire shooting out of his hand. And to me, for all intents and purposes, the basically grandfather looked Amish, but totally. he isn't, but yeah. he looked Amish to me. So he's got that kind of like side beard, but not like a true beard kind of going on. Yeah. Like uh, the anyway. chin strap kind of beard. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and he's talking to his son, who's an older gentleman. It's not like a little kid, you know, about the, the grain has gone bad and everything. And the horse looks like he's very sweaty and everything. And then the gentleman notices that the attic door is ajar. Oh yeah. A horse that sweats in the morning cream mm-hmm. that goes bad overnight. These are signs mm-hmm. of uh, bewitchment. Mm-hmm, exactly. And so he grabs the ladder and paints this. He be, begins to like paint a white thing on there that we don't really see just yet. We'll see later who it is. Yeah. So now we're back in the car and they're still going on about like, you know, who's Marion. Um, and then, you know, this is where uh, Redfern reveals that, you know, she was about Cassandra's true age and she was a pure soul and that she was his good wife. Um. And then, you know, of course, Cassie pushes it more and she's like, and then the warlock happened. And this is where Renfield spies the barn and notices like that kind of like compass thing painted on it. It's yeah. a symbol. Yeah. And this is where he has her stop the car and then he runs to the farmhouse. And inside the farmhouse, we see the couple. So not the guy with the, the strap beard, but his son and his obviously daughter-in-law, they're in the kitchen. And she's pulling bread out and she mentions that it didn't rise. And then all of a sudden Redfern burst into their kitchen and he says the only way to stop the warlock is a menage a trois on the kitchen table. Um, (laughs) No, sorry. Sorry. Um, (laughs) And even uh, the Amish beard guy has to join in too. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah. No, he has to take pictures. Um, with a Polaroid that, that Redfern just happened to have. Yeah. He's like, where did you get this get Polaroid? They didn't have right. these in the 1600s. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, he notices that uh, he's bewitched by the hex mark that's been painted. And this is where it's mentioned that they are not Amish. They are Mennonites. Um, and the, the uh, father, the oldest gentleman, shows Renfer the attic door. And he's uh, Renford sets about hammering the door shut. So there's one less exit the warlock can use to escape. Renford makes the kids go. He doesn't want the kids around. And this is where, just like you were saying, this is where the dad, you know, talks about the horses that sweat in the morning and the cream that sours overnight, blah, blah, blah. And they have the family leave and they put pennies in Cassandra's mouth. And and then the dad (laughs) puts pennies into his mouth. um, And they're saying, basically, you've got to show no fear when dealing with, dealing with the warlock and then Renford enters the attic from inside up through like the little ceiling way. And he's up there searching around. He's looking very carefully. He's got his little knife drawn and the whip at the ready. Um, And we get that jump scare with the bat. Which let's talk about that bat for a moment. Okay. Um, (laughs) That did not look like any bat I had ever seen. No, but it also looked better than a lot of bats I've seen in like movies from like the 60s and 70s. (laughs) (laughs) 
At least it wasn't one of those like dime store bats that had a little elastic in the back and you could shake it and it would like bounce. <laughs> oh shit. How <laughs> funny would that be if they use that a bat like that as a prop? Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I mean, it was like cartoony, but it was practical. At least it wasn't CGI. Yeah. Um, no, I was just thinking that the bat looks so strange that maybe Julian Sands had tried to turn himself into a bat and fly away. And it wasn't successful. <laughs> and, <I was> like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, never mind. The bat's dead. Okay. But I wanted it, if, if what you're saying is true, I did want it to have then the little like, you know, blonde hair and the little ponytail still on the bat's head <laughs> yeah and then and then you just see piles of clothes on the floor <laughs> right where, where he had stripped down <laughs> to turn into a bat <laughs> that's what i would want but yes we didn't get that no like you said it's just a bat um but the purpose of the bat i think was to show us that there had to be a different entrance for the bat to come in and that was the window that was propped open you know, I didn't think of that, but you make a good I, point. I think that's what it was. I think I'm just, that's me. I'm not saying I'm right or wrong. I just, that's my guess. Yeah. Cause how else would the bat get in there? It's not like it was born in there. Yeah. I, that's where I'm going with this. That's what I think. But that's where uh, he also spies. There's a broken chest and the inside of the lid has been like smashed open, much like the table. And uh, Red Fern spies a single sheet of the grimoire left inside and he tears it in two and it joins back and he realizes it's the grand grimoire that um, the was supposed to have been like actually held on like hollow ground and everything but the Boston church who was supposed to be holding it has clearly not done what they were supposed to have been doing all this time. Nope. They didn't do their job. But he also clues in that the warlock would not just leave one page behind. Yeah, because he was all ready to leave. He was like, he's after the the Grand Grimoire. And then Cassie brings up, she's like, why would uh, he leave? Why would, if he's gone, why would he leave like a page of the book? And he's like, you make a good point. Put the stairs back up. <laughs> um, and, and so he goes looking back in the attic for the mm -hmm. warlock. And so we have our warlock descending from the ceiling. He uses that whip to close the window, very Indiana Joe's style. Yes, um, indeed. And then Renford goes to stab our warlock, but it only goes through like the pages of the grimoire, which just rejoin like magic. And then uh, the warlock makes the comment of even with half the book, it, it appears that the magic will uh, is still potent or something like that. Mm -hmm, exactly, exactly. Uh, and, and that's when he throws his little fire burst at Renford. And it forces him backwards uh, out the attic door onto the ground below. Um, and then um, the warlock actually grabs that single page and Renford actually attempts to uh, impale him with the weather vane. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we have Renford grabbing uh, the warlock with the whip around his ankle. And the warlock is flying off, but he's dragging Renford behind him into the barn. Which is just comical right there. It's very silly. There's yeah. some of the stuff that's like very, very goofy for what it is. So the whip knot at the bottom gets lodged on the barn door, but eventually it falls loose, which tells us that the warlock has broken free of the, the 
whip wrapped around his ankle. Our warlock flies out of the barn and then rent rent. I always want to call him Renfield. Redfern <laughs> throws the weather vane and gets the warlock kind of like in the back shoulder area, causing him to fall to the ground. So um, they run over there and Cassandra remo- removes the boots of the warlock. And unfortunately, our Amish gentleman that stayed behind makes eye contact with the warlock and his eyes begin to bleed. Mm-hmm. So Renford turns his attention to the dad, which allows the warlock basically to hobble away with only one thumb and toe locked together. Yeah, that would still be hard to hobble away when you've got a thumb and a toe locked together. Like, what you would, would you do? Kind so. of worm crawl? You'd have to, you would think. Yeah. Yeah. I, mm, anyway, so this is where um, Renford tells her to take the hammer and the nails and follow the warlock's tracks and just nail them down as you see them. Yeah, nail the earth deeply. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. he can be hurt. His feet are exposed. Exactly. So, way up the hill, Cassie sees him. And, uh, but he's so far away that like, it's not looking very good that she's going to catch up with him. So we're now at like a train, like, what would you call it? Like not a train station, not, not really a station. Like a, what would you call it? Just trained a rail yard or train tracks. Yeah, rail yard. Like thank that. you. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Um, and then the warlock's just undoing the screws with his free hand to free himself. So Cassandra's <laughs> arrived with the hammer and nails and, um, she gets that like a little jump scare. She's confronted by the two railroad workers. Oh yeah. And we hear the dog, the dogs barking in the distance and she's looking at the tracks and she spies a bare footprint and she hammers a nail into it. And the warlock screams out in pain. So she knows what she's doing is working. So she hammers a second time and she hears more screams. Uh, she continues though, but the warlock is, she doesn't hear any screams because the warlock has basically pulled up the board of the, uh, Railway railway car that he has hidden himself into. Yeah, that was pretty smart. I mean, mm-hmm. so the nails would be ineffective if he was wearing shoes, I guess, right? Exactly. Yeah, or flip flops. <laughs> or flip flops. Yeah, anything covering the foot, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine <laughs> wearing those like goofy ass flip flops from the eighties, man? <laughs> yes. Or I was thinking, you're not even going to know what I'm talking about, but my aunt, Kathy, who's gone, but I love her so much. She used to wear in like the seventies, they were called Dr. Shoals and they were, it was a full, like a formed to your foot chunk of wood with like a leather strap across the top. And they were really popular, but they were loud. As oh, bad. I know what you, they're, they're called clogs. I know what you're talking about. They were like clogs, but they, they the clogs totally covered your foot. This just had a little leather strap that didn't even cover the toes. It just went over it. They oh, so it's like the, the Japanese sandals. Something like that, but it didn't go between your toes. It just went over your toes. Oh, wow. And it had like a little belt buckle so you could make them looser or tighter. And like the leather was either white, red, or blue. And they were so <laughs> loud. It was so loud. <laughs> but anyway, that's why I pictured Julian Sands wearing Dr. Schultz. I don't know why. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but then she also spies his like a head print. And then she nails that down. He like lets out a scream on that one. He starts oh, to yeah. grab his head. Basically, he's gonna like pass out in pain. Yeah, he went unconscious from that. Yeah. So his in the 
in the aftermath of this, he's passed out. Like you said, his arm has kind of fallen outside the train car and his bracelet, her bracelet is now on his arm and she spies it. So she starts kind of like making her way to that car to grab the bracelet off. Yeah. But of course, it adds, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was gonna, how fortuitous that all of a sudden the bracelet appears, but in all that time that they were facing off, she doesn't spy that bracelet on his wrist. You know, yeah, when, right, when she right. was in the attic or when they were out on the ground and Redfern had his whip around his leg and all that. And it's just exactly. like, I guess there might have been too much action going on. I it, think, I think. When they were wrestling around and she actually, the remember the eyes actually kind of fall out of his pocket to the floor? Oh, yeah. I think she was going through his pockets trying to find it. And right. I think that's how the eyes came out. I think she pulled them out. Yeah, because she got grossed out by the eyes. Yeah, yeah. So I think she was looking. I think she knew they were on him, you know, his person to some degree. But yeah, and then she just happened to see they were on his wrist. Which if it were me, I would have, you know... Like, okay, so she needs these back, right? Mm -hmm. They're an important thing. I would have wrapped them around my junk. (laughs) But she doesn't have junk, though, so she can't wrap them around anything. No, him. Oh, okay. Yeah, him. Yeah. Like, is is she going to really think to pull down my pants and look around my, (laughs) my, uh, was it meat meat and potatoes? Well, that's why you would make a better warlock, I guess. See, I think these things through. But anyway. So, of course, the train's going to take off. So she's kind of like hobbling after it. She gets up to it just as she reaches it. She goes to grab his the bracelet. But, of course, he comes to and grabs her hand. She smashes the hand with the hammer, falls to the ground. The train's taking off. We assume that she didn't make it. But, no, lo and behold, in the dirt next to her, next to the hammer, is her bracelet. And all of a sudden, she goes back to being a youngster. Exactly. Now, back at the farmhouse, we have the uh, Mennonite who's been helping them. He's in bed. His eyes are bandaged. And <laughs> Redfern has made like this makeshift mobile out of keys. Spin them <laughs> like once each hour clockwise. Yeah. It's weirdest thing. It's bones and these little chains and stuff. <clears throat> well, Cassandra shows back up with the bracelet. And um, Red Redfern's... Red, Redfern's ready to rebuild the compass and carry on. But basically Cass is like, I'm out of here. I got my bracelet. I'm going to move on. Well, this is where Redfern reveals that, hey, our warlock has two parts of the grimoire. If he gets the third part, he is going to know the lost name of God. Once he utters it back to front, the whole world will be uncreated. So it won't matter because there's going to be nothing. And he gives her his word that he won't let the warlock harm her. Which me, I'm like, I don't really trust that. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think you can protect. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not sure I buy that. It's like, how good, how good protection did you do of your wife? I mean, come on now. Exactly. Exactly. So they're on the highway. They're driving like crazy. Um, they want to find the last pages before the warlock can. So they're basically playing like leapfrog with the warlock. Like who can get there first? 
Yeah, but this is where uh, Cassandra with a K does some smart thinking. And she's like, let me just uh, call Boston and find mm-hmm. out if there's if there's a church there or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's um, on Somerset Avenue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So which was actually smart thinking, you know, it was it doesn't make up for all the other poor choices. But yes, it was smart. thinking. <laughs> she's still kind of a moron in my book. <laughs> still a little bit of a dummy. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so um, the, she gets him to the airport and uh, Redfern's not having the whole flying part of it. That's like, he's like, I, that's like witchcraft. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> and he's also got a weather vane. <laughs> she's like, give me your whip and give me the knife. But right, she's right. like, how did, how did you walk past security with that weather vane strapped to your back? Exactly. Um, well, she also spies the warlock at the airport. So she realizes they're just barely ahead of him. Mm-hmm. But they managed to get on the plane with the weather vane. Um, and I like how the stewardess asks, asks if she can hold it. And he's like, over my rotting corpse. But she actually ends up getting to hold it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> <clears throat> While they're there on the plane, Redford sees the cream and then the smoke flame. Oh, yeah. The flame that burns blue. Yep. And he freaks out. He's like, the warlock is here. And Cassie's like, I'm telling you, he's not. So they split up. They search the plane. You know, we get those like... uh Weird things where Redfern opens the, the bathroom and there's a lady in the restroom. But oh yeah, and then he freakish. shuts his eyes. He's like, "I'm sorry, ma'am." Right, and then the the this is back when like planes had two levels and like the the barefoot gentleman is coming down and there's a little bit of like, "Oh my gosh, it's the warlock!" But no, it's just an, another gentleman who was barefoot coming down from the second level. <clears throat> so, but why would she um, poo-poo him? Insane. Like he he's been hunting this warlock for a number of years and he knows the signs of like witchcraft. Right. But she was just like, oh, you're you're being irrational. You, he's not here. But yet she saw him at the airport. Um, So there is the chance that, yes, he did stow away on somewhere on the plane. And it's like, why wouldn't you just listen to him and you know, not poo-poo his idea and just look for like the source of this witchcraft. If it were any other character, I would totally be with you, but she's clearly established that she's not the brightest bulb in the box. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, so I buy it from this character. Anyone else I would be like, yeah, I'd be flipping out too, because this guy clearly knows what's going on. But with her, this totally seems in character with with what we've seen so far from this person. Yeah, she's kind of a ditz in a way. Like she has yeah. a couple good ideas, but then the the ideas don't get so good after that. See, I think in her mind, they searched the plane. He's not there. Right. But they didn't look everywhere on the plane. Yeah. But in her mind, you know what I mean? They yeah. went up and down the seats. He's not here. I really do think, you know, I just. Yeah, that's what I. It. Yeah. And, and so uh, clearly he's not there. And I don't think they would have access to the storage compartment anyway. Right, 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 right. Yeah. But I don't think that she would have. The, well, clearly she didn't. But I don't think she'd have the wherewithal to even think that. 
No, and Redfern doesn't know anything about planes, so he no, wouldn't know where to No, no, he still thinks it's witchcraft. But anyway, <laughs> so basically what's happened is just like you said, our warlock is hiding down, camped out inside the um, cargo hold. And he's heating up some more uh, unbaptized boy fat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so now the plane lands, the cargo hold is open, and we get a flash of our warlock escaping. And <laughs> doesn't he are, fly in the weirdest way <laughs> it's the weirdest thing yeah it's pretty odd it, it almost reminds me of the flash like the cartoon character of the flash or even no like the tv show the flash running but it's like in stop motion where he's like kind of a freeze frame and you see one arm forward yeah and, right yeah so it's like what a strange way of flight i mean come on very odd very odd um now, our other two are taking a taxi, um, and they get to the church. It's night, and so I don't know why I assumed it was Catholic, but clearly it's not Catholic. Yeah, I assumed it was Catholic as well. But what comes up later, I don't think, I don't think it is Catholic, but anyway— it might be Episcopal. I have no idea. But anyway, so the um, priest, and I'm using like air quotes, the priest, reverend, I'll say the reverend. The reverend is locking up as the two arrive. And they say what they like to talk to him. And he's like, well, can we do it in the morning? And he's like being very apprehensive about being approached at night by these two people. And this is where Redfern mentions the Grand Grimoire. And the priest, or, sorry, the reverend, I have my notes, I have priest. The reverend, like, says that he'll talk to him. And then we get that real quick glimpse of like up in the rectory, there's like the housekeeper and the, the Reverend just kind of waves like it's okay to her. And he takes them inside. Mm -hmm. So the two asked to see the grand grimoire and the Reverend has explained that it was broken up years ago. And, you know, it's not something he has easy access to kind of thing. Well, inside they're interrupted by this gust of wind blowing the doors open. Oh, again, yeah, and I thought the warlock was going to show up right there. Exactly, exactly. But again, they just kind of blow this off and everything. Um, and so there's this long-winded answer as to why Renford wants to see it. And then the next scene, they're in the basement, and the reverend is um, reading the text um, uh, about how uh, the importance of the grimoire and everything and how where it uh, originated from and everything. And then Renford explains how they found half of it in the the table. The other half was at the farmhouse. And the third's got to be on a hollowed burial ground somewhere here in Boston. Yeah. Um, so the. Um, and he the, knows that he actually remembers the cemetery where yes. where it like the book was buried and he said that uh, the, well, the pastor told him that it was buried in a tomb with a hex mark. Mm -hmm. and, and Right. And then like you were saying, um, you know, not everything is the same, but there's certain kind of like landmarks that he does recognize from when he lived there centuries ago. Yeah. Yes. So now inside the rectory, the house starts quaking and the crucifix falls off the wall. And suddenly the, our warlock bursts through the front door. Yeah, I really like the first time seeing this. I thought the door was just going to blast open and go flying through the other room and shit, you know, that kind of thing. Because the way it was shaking so violently and coming off the hinges, I was like, all right, he's just going to blast the door open. But no, he came in all quiet, like, 
Yeah, they couldn't afford that. <laughs> um, so, but I do like how he replaces the crucifix on the wall. He's like, let me get that for you. <laughs> yes. I'm not all evil. Exactly. Uh, and then, of course, he wants to know exactly what the Reverend told them. And he's kind of balking it at first. He's being very like uh, vague in his description. And the housekeeper kind of walks to the door. But then the warlock kind of tells her to sit and he forces a chair on, like from behind the Reverend and forces him to sit. This is where he leans down and touches the woman's stomach and kind of mentions that she's carrying a, a a boy and a girl child inside of her. And that basically if the reverend wants to see the children grow to fruition, he needs to tell him exactly what happened. And the woman kind of pleads with him. She's like, please tell him Stuart. So clearly the reverend and this person are, have had relations. I, that's why I don't know if he's supposed to be a priest and they're making it creepy or it would be a, uh, denomination where the reverend could have a wife yeah i, I just naturally that. assumed that that was his wife yeah i yeah but they don't really they're not super clear so i just don't know how to take that but anyway whatever <laughs> so now it's night and we have um cassandra and renfern uh entering redfern entering the um cemetery and they take that weather vane and they jam it to the ground and it steams so they know that the ground has been consecrated yep and they're looking for that hex mark on the tomb. So they split up. <laughs> I put, shockingly, Cassandra finds it on her third attempt. <laughs> right. <laughs> but also, I think we're at the point where she gets, uh, she sees that sign and she's like, wait a minute, they're relocating the bodies. So which side of the cemetery is consecrated and which side is the one that has been, you know, moved around? Yeah. And so they the, uh, stick the weather vane into the ground on one side and it starts smoking. Mm -hmm. And then they stick it into the like a, about two feet away and nothing happens. Mm -hmm. And before that, though, they notice that on the like the tomb, the bolts have not been moved. So they know for a fact the warlock's not beaten them there. So there's, you know, it's not been meddled with. Um, and this is also where Cassandra has noticed that it's his tomb. It's Giles oh, Redfern. Yeah. And she tries to cover it up, but he moves her arm and he kind of freaks out. He's having like a bit of a meltdown, which I can understand that. But it's odd though, how, okay, so he is alive in that time. Now, if he, you know, passed through the portal in the 1600s and ends up in 1989, Los Angeles, um, where would his body be since he's technically left the 1600s? He doesn't exist there anymore. He exists like in a new timeline. I don't know. This is so confusing to me. <laughs> it's like the Terminator. You can't think about too much because it'll hurt your head. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but anyway, they're like, uh, you know, she's like, we don't have to open it. And he's like, no, we've got to, because that's where the, the last pages are. We've got to get them back. Yeah, they've so anyway, got to move the pages to consecrated ground. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So they slide it out. Cassie's the one who opens it up. Um, and he, you know, like she's like, take the pages. So, of course, she has to like break every little finger off get the pages <laughs> out of his hand. He's got a um, death grip on those pages. Oh, yeah. Um, and Redfern's like, we've got to make sure that these get back to hollow ground. 
So the weather vane starts spinning like a compass and it stands straight up. Mm-hmm. Death from above. Mm-hmm. And then our warlock kind of like dives in from the sky and kind of sends the two like running, but they're split up in different directions. And so they were smart enough, though, to split up the pages as well. So Cassie has some and then Redfern has some. So she's kind of hidden like in these trees and then Redfern's hidden like behind that tomb. But the warlock has got a hold of Cassie and he's got like these nail and he's like jabbing into the bottom of her feet. Oh, yeah. And see, I've, I've got a whole thing about that since I was like born with foot issues. And it's just like also as a kid stepping on a nail and having it go into my foot. It's just like, oh, man. Yeah, that is not a good thing. No, that's so unpleasant. And it's oh, just yes. like I felt that when she got those nails in her foot. I was like, oh, man, I can feel it. I can yeah, totally exactly. feel it. So basically the warlock is going to trade the pages for uh, for Cassie's life. But Redfern's like, that's hardly a deal because if you get the pages, it's going to be one life for all of creation. And he's like, oh, come on, you don't believe that fairy tale. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of playing on Redfern's affection for Marion. Yeah. Which makes me think, um, were they friends at some point in the past? Because they seem to know each other fairly well. And like, even from the beginning where it's like, they seem to be very familiar with one another. And so maybe before he became like on this path of quest for power type thing, like, were they, were they like buddies, you know? Oh, see, I, hmm. I always wondered that. See, and my, okay. And I, there's, (laughs) this is how I took it in my mind. He just came into the town and he probably, and this is how I take it, he probably like bewitched Marianne somehow and like God knows what he did to her. And that's that's how Redfern knows him. And oh, he just okay. has this yeah, that's plausible too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It could go either way. Yeah. Uh, now, see, what I thought you were going to go with is uh, Cassandra, like a reincarnation of Marianne somehow. <laughs> You know, I hadn't even thought of that, but he did say how much she looked like her. Right. That's where I thought you were going. And, you know, that's not really brought up at all ever, too. I was just wondering if that's what you were going to say, because that could be plausible, too. There's no reason why that couldn't come into play either. You know what I mean? With the way the movie is, it could be anything. That's really interesting. Yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. Right. Or were... They gay lover. <laughs> I knew and, you were going to come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> and Marion was his beard and he was mad because he killed his beard. <laughs> anyway. Okay. I digress. So Red Fern's like, I'll give you these pages, but you've got to take them by hand. Yeah. Mono y mano time. Exactly. So he discards the thumb screws and the knife and everything. And so. We get our warlock showing off his bitchin' fire skills. Uh, <laughs> and they just start doing like fisticuffs. Yep. And we get kind of like Cassie back there, kind of co- just cowering for a little bit. And the warlock starts to choke Redfern. So Redfern throws dust in the warlock's eye. <laughs> He's fighting sho- dirty. <laughs> yeah. Shoves his face onto the hollowed ground. But oh, the yeah. War- the warlock puts his hand and does like a little uh, Mick Foley, Mr. Sacco type thing. And 
his hand inside Redfern's mouth and exactly <laughs> injects some lava in there. I know it's it, it's very odd. I would think that would feel horrible, but anyway. So we've got Redfern falling to his knees. He starts vomiting out fire, and the warlock's all gloaty and everything. But now uh, Cassandra has grabbed the whip. The warlock has the pages, and Cassandra tries to wrap it around his neck, but the warlock just slaps her and then tosses her into, like, the water. She does get slapped a lot. A lot. Um, But she climbs back out onto the land, and the warlock has the pages still. Now, Cassie grabs her insulin needles, and we've got our warlock in, like, the he's, like, a seated position, and he begins the incantation, and the pages of the Grand Grimoire like reassemble like over his head, kind of. And then and he, the chanting he was doing, didn't that remind you from like um, the movie Legend where they was like, black as night, black oh, as pitch, yeah. blacker than the foulest witch. <laughs> now, I love Legend. Like I do, too. I, I think started. that's one of the greatest movies. I love Legend. And to me, that is not Tom Cruise. <laughs> like, I'm, does that like I, I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan and that is not Tom Cruise in that movie. Like, that's the most non Tom Cruise movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I that's love that a, movie so much. It's like Tom Cruise. He became typecast as like this uh, person, I guess. Like, I didn't even see Risky Business, so I couldn't tell you what that was like. But I I saw part of Top Gun and, you know, a couple other Tom Cruise films. But. It's like in legend, he was a totally different person. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I love it. I love Mia Sarah. I and Tim Curry is darkness is uh, unbelievable. I love that movie so much. Oh, Tim Curry was the one who played like that devil creature. Oh yeah. Wow. That was yeah. great. That was amazing. That scared the oh, shit yeah. out of me too. <laughs> oh no, I love I love legend. I love legend so much. We could probably do that one. I think it fits in our time frame. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's oh, yeah. uh, from the eighties and it's got lots of creatures in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could easily do legend. I'd love to do legend, but back to this one. Yes. Back to this. Yes. End. Okay. So um, they've assembled and he wants to know the name of God and it starts like, kind of like a, how would you say it? Like etching it out and like, kind of like fiery gold. Didn't it look like a Rorschach kind of thing? Sort of, but it, did you see what it spelled? Uh, it, it looked like an R. No, it spelled Oprah. It spelled Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it did. It looked like it looked like it was spelled R something, but it looked before you, as far as I could, before you could actually tell what it was, it cut away and it never went back to actually spell it. As far right. as I could tell. That would have been so cool if they had actually shown the audience what it was. And then we had a bunch of people saying, trying to say that, you know, backwards to forward and try to undo creation. (laughs) Harpo, Harpo, Harpo. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. Oh, anyway. So now there's wind and thunder and all the turmoil's happening and Redfern tries to attack, but he's rushed back. Uh, And did you notice all the uh, tombstones just kind of flopping over with the wind effect? Yes, I did see that. Yeah, I thought, oh, someone went to Spirit Halloween store. <laughs> those those uh, styrofoam tombstones, yeah. Exactly. But before our warlock can say the name, Cassandra jabs the needles of salt water into his neck. And at first he kind of just shrugs it off until she 
lets him in on the secret that she's like, try some salt water. And exactly. And then it's like you see him burning up from the inside out, basically. Yeah, he gets all veiny and then he just erupts. Yeah. And then he... T- <laughs> a skeletal, a skeletal ashen being on the yeah, ground. Smolding, smoldering little crusty thing, a husk of what he once was. Mm-hmm. But then the skull starts to move and then Redfern just stomps on it. Yep. He's like, for good measure, put you out like a cigarette butt. Exactly. And then it just, uh, the storm cloud subsides into a clear starry night. And then um, Redfern and Cassandra with a K share a very hallmarky tender moment where she's just closing her eyes and waiting for him to smack those lips together. Well, I put down that he moistened her contacts with his saliva. <laughs> well, he did that too because he kissed her on both eyes. And then I wrote down, was Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan too busy for this film? <laughs> you mean uh, Meg Ryan making the making the whale noises? Or no, not mm-hmm. the whale noises, the dolphin noises? Yeah, I could totally see them in this. <laughs> in a different alter, alternative reality, it would be them. And uh, oh, wait, John Candy would be the warlock. Yes. So John Candy is the warlock. Oh, sorry. I'm doing this right here on this. This is our casting. This couch. is our re- recasting couch. Recasting yeah. couch right here. John Candy is our warlock. Redfern is Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan is Cassandra. Done, right, done and done. Steve Martin's got to be in this in, at some point. He will be Chaz. He will be Chaz. Okay. Yep. We are done. Done and done. I am. I am. <laughs> Wiping my hands of this. Casting couch is done. <laughs> Casting couch um, done. We haven't done that in a while. No, but this one just, it's, no, it's done. It's, this one is done. There's no need to even think about anything else. Uh, and then the little tiny tornado heads back to the tombstone. It writes, I shall remember you always till time and times are done. Ah, it's so sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we have Cassandra spying uh, the grimoire and she says, oh, shoot. Oh, great. He left me with this hunk of junk. Right. And then there's digging noises and it's a bright day and she's burying the book and what turns out to be the Bonneville salt flats and then drives off. No, Please. I got to okay. ask you, did you get shades of Sarah Connor with her in that tank? Top? Yep. Oh, yeah. OK. <laughs> yep. Totally. 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 Exactly. Except I was hoping I, it wasn't just me. Except I would trust Sarah Connor's judgment, whereas nothing <laughs> that came out of Cassandra's mouth would I would I follow at all. Do you think I she would, got smarter after she, you know, buried no, the book in the salt flats? So no, no, I wouldn't even let her order, like, pick out my lunch at McDonald's. <laughs> oh, I went man. ahead and just got you bread and pickles. Is that okay? No, no, Cassandra, it's not. They and ran out of coffee. meat, so you just yeah. have a you just have a veggie burger, right? No, I wouldn't let her order anything for me. <laughs> um, so now, Rob. Do you enjoy this film? Oh, absolutely. This is still one of my favorites. And would you recommend it? Definitely. I would recommend it to everyone. New newcomers and like staunch horror fans alike. It's not the goriest and it's there's like not a whole lot of kills, but it's still a great film. Okay, now I will say this though. To me, it feels way more of a 90s movie. I know it's 89, but it it, it just feels more 90s than 80s to me. 
It does have that. I think it's the, I think it's the effects. And, and I also think because she's dressed so weirdly, you don't have 80s fashions per se with her. No. And the other don't. two men are dressed like from a different time. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So you don't have that weird 80s fashion like dictating everything in the film. Right. But it, even the dialogue, like not the dialogue between the warlock and Redfern, of course, but like Cassandra and everybody yeah. else. And it, it did feel like it came from like the early 90s. Yeah. It's just not super like dated, not in a bad way or a good way. It's just not dated with an 80s bent to it. No, it doesn't have that feel. Mm-mm, no. And like you said, the like, cause uh, just the effects feel a little bit more nineties to me. Yeah. You could tell they were starting to fool around with like computer mm-hmm. generated stuff. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, now I do enjoy this movie. It is very fun for what it is. Uh, I would definitely recommend it to people. Um, especially cause I think a lot of the stuff that, we've talked about has not necessarily been more of the supernatural stuff. And I do love kind of like the, the, the uh, occulty stuff. So I like that end of it. Um, I will say this though. This is a movie that like, it's hard for me to warm to because I don't like any of the three stars. I'm not a Julian Sands fan. I really don't like Laurie Singer. And I'm not a big Richard E. Grant fan. I give him a pass for doing Spice World. But these three, like, I just not fans of them. They're not quite Gwyneth Paltrow level, but they're <laughs> kind of close. Um, okay. I, I And so I think that was like, like, you know, I told you I saw it like later. Yeah. That was a big reason why. I think that's why, because I saw it when I was still young or fairly young. Mm-hmm. So, um. Yeah, it might have had a different effect on me than it did on you. And I'm not like the biggest Julian Sands fan, but he is immediately recognizable for me as opposed to like the other two um, actors where it's like I couldn't pick them out of a lineup. And now this is not this is a total mark thing. And if anyone understands this, I will be shocked. But to me, and I'm not making fun of people like this at all, to me, Lori Singer always looks like she's playing a blind character. (laughs) Like there's something about like, and I can't explain it, but even on fame, she always looked like she was sight impaired. And I'm like, is this actress really blind? And she's just doing a really good job or is she, but there's something about her that like, she appears to me that like, she cannot see. It's the weirdest thing. Yeah. And so I really am not a big Lori Singer fan. Um, and I, I, there's so many people like just love Julian Sands. Like he's like God's gift to earth. He's like so hot and sexy. And I do not see that. Um, and then the Richard E. Grant, this is going to sound weird. He reminds me of Hugh Grant in a way, like physically. And I'm not a big Hugh Grant fan either. Okay. Um, so it's like, and that really is why I stayed away from this movie for so long. Cause I just, everyone involved them. Like, I don't like any of these people. <laughs> Yeah, you're just like, it's like, nah, uh, I'll, I'll take a pass until maybe I, maybe later I'll watch it. Yeah, but um, it is fun. It's super fun. And I, you know, with me, I just had to get over who it was in. You know what I mean? Who was in it? Um, they do find jobs. It's not like they can't carry the film or anything. Uh, it was just me kind of had to 
get over the thespians involved. Um, but yeah, it's a very fun movie. I highly recommend it. Now, have you seen the other two? I have, but I can barely remember them because, well, you know, I've got the three disc set. Me too, from Vestron Video. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just like, I did see the other two much, much later because I didn't know they existed. Mm, gotcha. um, and then I was sorely disappointed at part two and even part three, where it looked like the guy from Highlander, but it wasn't. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 So I so, was I was like, where's Julian Sands? <laughs> I want to where see is he? Exactly. So now I like I would have seen this opening day had my warlock been like Rutger Hauer. Rutger Hauer. <laughs> yeah, I've been all over Warlock then. What about I was thinking, um, for some reason it's like Dolph Lundgren as as the warlock <laughs> you know the white hair the long flowing white yeah. hair <laughs> yeah that would be very different well of course then cassandra would have to be brigitte nielsen <laughs> <laughs> you know a more physically imposing warlock oh that's true yeah now see to me though physically i like someone of Julian Sands build as a warlock, as opposed to like you're saying, like Dolph Lundgren or mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm a warlock. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> right. I don't really care for that per se. I like that they went the direction they did as far as like physicality. Yeah. Yeah. I, I He doesn't need to be this, this giant hulk of a man. No, okay, because so- then he wouldn't like have to rely on magic. He would just beat your ass all the time. Right. Exactly. Yeah, so I will have, this is another recasting. I'll do Rutger Howard. <laughs> uh, I'll do Bruce Willis as Redfern. And um, a quirky actress for Cassandra that I can deal with. Leah Thompson. Oh, yes. Okay, I'll totally do that. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll do that one too. <laughs> okay, I'm totally okay with that. Yeah. I can totally see Rutger Howard as being... Uh, the warlock and Bruce Willis would make a great Redfern. I could totally see that too. Yeah. 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 I'm okay with that one too. (laughs) Yeah. You know, there's a lot of films that I'm like that with though. Like if I don't really care for the people in it, it will take me much longer to get around to seeing it. Oh yeah. I'm that way too with certain films. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, so, okay, so we're both like thumbs up. We like it. <clears throat> thumbs up. We'd recommend it. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> so I picked our next movie because I was feeling that I wanted some Fulci in my life. So we are doing House by the Cemetery, an Italian masterpiece in my mind. And you've not seen this one yet. Is that correct? That's correct. I have not seen it. Okay. So I'm excited to get your take on that one. So that will be next episode. Uh, Now, if you are looking to uh, connect with us, I am always hovering around the Instagram, uh, what would you call it, Instagram world over there and at the uh, Midnight Mass Creature Cast, if you want to get a hold of me. Yep. And uh, if you want to talk to both of us, I will forward the email to Mark, of course. And that is our Gmail account, which is mmccpod at gmail.com. And if you want to send us your recast of the Warlock movie, I would love to hear who you'd put in those those roles. I would too. I mean, that 
I think it would be okay. So out of all the episodes that we've done, I mean, if you wanted to, you could go back and like just do an entire recasting couch or maybe of your favorite episodes and just tell us who you think would be. And I would actually like to feature that on the show at some point where people that would be very fun. Yeah. Where people just write us in and we're like, okay, this is who they picked, you know, for, right. for recasting this movie. That, that would be exactly. pretty great. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause we could have, uh, you know, Morgan Fairchild, Cassandra, Andrew Stevens might be involved. We don't know. Or Sam. Uh, Sam, what's his name? I'm drawing a blank now. Sam Neal? Sam Jones. Oh, Sam Jones. Oh, I like Sam Neal. But yeah, I think Sam Neal would not be in the Morgan Fairchild version, but Sam Jones would, I'm thinking. Uh, We could, like Peter Weller, Malcolm McDowell, whoever, you know? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Yeah, the choices are, are, it's like make your, choose your own adventure book. Yeah. The choices are endless. Man, that Um, would be so much fun. I would love that. I love stuff like that. I love stuff like that. Anyway, so um, we always thank you for joining us because the more the scarier. That's right. And until next time, we hope that you stay spooky. Spooky.